Hi everyone, welcome to TED Talks. Today we have Kat and she's gonna tell us about the ENTJ personality. And so would you like to tell us a bit about you? Sure, I live in Philadelphia where I am a property investor and landlord, uh, do some profiling on the side and really excited to be here and talk about ENTJs. Really excited to have you. I love the confident and really powerful presence you have. And so my first question for you, Kat, is what are three words other people would describe you as? Words that I'm hearing a lot about me, especially lately, um, the first one is intimidating, which um, actually surprised me at first. I didn't really see myself as a super intimidating person, but evidently I am. Um, I would say confident. A lot of people tell me I'm very confident. And I think the third word that a lot of people would use to describe me would be productive. Yeah, you are insanely productive. And so Kat, what are three words you would describe yourself as? I would describe myself as decisive, ambitious, and effective. Ooh, effective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are a master at getting things done. <laughs> and so what are three words you would describe ENTJs as a whole as? Um, three words I would use would maybe be leadership. And I would, I would, I, with the caveat that I would say leader versus boss, um, which we can talk about, I would say rational. And I would say, um, like systems thinking. Yeah, I, I love the systems thinking element. Yeah, that ability to use your NI to kind of see how things fit into a system and the TE is like systematizing it. Yeah, that is so awesome. And so Kat, what did you mean by leader versus boss? I think that a, um, a boss tells people what to do and I think a leader is really good at delegating. And so one thing I think is a really great strength of TE is that it is um, making, it's sort of evaluating based on resource management and it has a, a real awareness of what the uh, capabilities and skills and strengths are of the people around it. So, you know, I, I hear a lot of, um, I shouldn't say a lot because I don't know a lot of ENTJs, but there's one ENTJ in my life who frequently says things like, you know, I left that task with them and I just trusted them to do it. And I like moved on with my life. And I think we're a little bit less likely to want to be in a space of micromanaging. I think um, that is maybe something that differentiates us from other TE drivers, possibly. Uh, we want to, we want to move on. We've got other stuff to do. We do, I think when we're unhealthy, we might have a little bit of a tendency to be a little bit controlling, but I think you'd probably be less likely to hear an ENTJ described as controlling. I think management is a word that might come up a lot, but for me, um, particularly in my life, I really, especially the, the folks that work for me and I don't have a lot, but the ones who do, I, I, I trust them to 
I see the talents that they're bringing and the skills that they're bringing. And I realize that, especially in a lot of cases, I've got a lot of NFs around me and they have a lot of talents that are very different than my own. And I want to just give them the, the opportunity to go and um, utilize those talents and skills and kind of let them get on with it because it doesn't really make sense for me to be um, helicoptering or hovering over them because they're actually better that, at those things than I am. So I can go and focus my time and energy on something else that's going to really be pushing the needle forward versus hovering over somebody that works for me and inspecting every detail of what they're doing. Um, I think that, I, I don't know if it was a podcast I was listening to recently or what it was, but with that SE in there too, we kind of want to, we kind of want to almost physically, not, not exactly always physically, but we kind of want to just, we, we want to look and see what, what the person is doing and kind of check in on it. And then we kind of need to move on. We're going off to, to check on something else. We'll come back a little later and we'll look in and we'll redirect and, and um, see what's going well and what's maybe not going well or see what they're coming up with. But if I'm trusting someone that works for me, you know, particularly in areas of like, I'm not very good with the design element of what I do. That's just, that's a weakness of mine. So I'll get like a good creative NF in there and I'll just be like, what do you think? Like, give me like, you know, come up with some ideas, give me like three options. And um, it's really kind of cool just to see what they come up with without being told, you know, we need to do this and we need to do that. Um, sometimes they can really shift into like a whole different, I was asking somebody recently about how to do a window and they were like, oh, well, you know, in instead of doing it this way, this was a, um, I think he's an INTP. He was like, you could just build the stairs down, you know, I'm not gonna go into the details of what it is because it was boring, but he just like totally shifted perspectives on the whole thing. And it was like, that's kind of cool. Like I never would have thought to put the stairs down there. You know, it's like, they just don't go there, but like, why not? They could. Um, so I think that's one thing about ENTJs that is maybe a strength of ours. Most definitely. That is an amazing strength, resource allocation. And knowing like the next available action items to take for the most impact. Yeah, yeah. And the not wanting to deal with the details. So not wanting to overly, con like not overly watch over people because that's too detail oriented, but wanting to really use your time most effectively. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, one word just came up while you were, while you were talking about that. And um, I've been thinking a lot lately about sequencing um, and how good TE is at, I used to think it was prioritizing, which I think it's good at doing that as well, but I think it's actually even better at sequencing. And I'm, I'm noticing that a lot in my work lately, that, um, a lot of times folks around me don't always intuitively understand the sequence of how things should happen in order to get done most effectively or even sometimes the most efficiently. Um, so it creates a lot of, you know, if, if you didn't do step B and you went ahead with C, but you forgot to do A, sometimes in the end, like you got C done quicker, but you had to go back and fix some stuff to get A done or whatever the thing was. Um, and I think TE is really good at that. We don't even, I, I feel like it's not even something that TE doms even have to think about that much. It's just like a very natural thing for us to just realize how things, um, should come together. Mm -hmm. 
That is a legit superpower. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't know the ordering in which something can be done in the most productive way. Yeah, but yours, it's a talent for you to naturally notice that. And so Kat, what are some core features of the ENTJ personality? Um, some things that come to mind are um, some things that we talked about, leadership, being rational. TE is very good at making a decision by, you know, part of part of that process being to remove like the emotional element of it entirely, which is a strength and a weakness. Um, when we're healthy, we are very concerned about the people around us. And I think when we're really working smart and we're tapping into our NI, we're realizing that the people around us being, um, I don't want to say happy, but being, there are ways that we can work with others um, to influence either the project that we're working on or the longer term. Um, so if it's somebody that you have to, you know, somebody that works in another department that you maybe have to reach out to frequently for something, if you kind of just like take the time to build a tiny bit of like a relationship line with that person, you know, you're, you're, you're going to end up getting more, um, more from them in the long term. Uh, so feelings do play a part. And I think that that, you know, is actually something that is kind of a misconception about ENTJs because we kind of get this um, reputation for being these kind of like unfeeling cold robots, you know, that are just kind of like bulldozing ahead without considering anybody's feelings. And I think that maybe some unhealthy ENTJs probably take that approach, or maybe we take that approach a little more when we're younger and we're a little bit less developed. Um, because at the end of the day, we just want to get the thing done. But I think when we're healthy, um, we're considering the folks around us, we may not use that information to make the decision in the end. Um, but it may be a piece of information that helps us along the way uh, when getting something done. Another thing that I think is is important to mention about ENTJs, at least healthy ones, is this concept of sustainability. And I think this is where like the difference between, you know, when you want to talk about efficiency versus effectiveness. So we're, we, we, the question we're constantly asking ourselves and others, to be fair, is, is it worth it? Is it worth the energy? Is it worth the time? There's a lot of different things we could be doing. So we want to make sure that if we're putting effort into something and we're putting uh, mental real estate into it, bandwidth, um, money, we want to make sure that it's something that's going to work for the longer term. And there are a lot of factors that go into that. Even, even the people that are involved in um, the system. So, you know, again, you know, folks often look at us and, and, and sort of the superficial, superficial take on an ENTJ is we really don't care about others, but we have to care about others because we have to think about how they're going to behave in the system, right? Unless we're just like sitting at a desk, I don't know, make, you know, designing computer software or something. And I don't think any ENTJs would really be happy just doing that in the long term. <laughs> but any system is going to involve other people. It's going to involve other, other actors. And so that's something we have to think about as well when we're putting those um, systems together. We want to create a system ultimately that's going to be so effective that we don't really have to think about it anymore. 
maybe we can kind of check in on it or uh, ideally somebody else can check in on it. Somebody that's actually better at details than we are. But that's kind of always the ultimate goal is create this system that just kind of runs itself um, because we can go off then and do other things, <laughs> make other things happen. I was, I was actually thinking, I was, I don't know if I was listening to a podcast or reading a book the other day. And I was thinking about this concept um, as it pertains to ENTJs, this kind of like win-win mentality, as they call it. And I think that that's another um, misconception maybe about ENTJs is that we're kind of like willing to make the thing happen at all costs. But I think that um, a healthy ENTJ realizes like it's not a zero sum game at the end of the day. And, you know, the, the question I probably hear myself saying almost every day, maybe even out loud is like, who cares? It works. And I think that's probably, maybe that should be like the tagline of TE, the motto of TE is like, who cares? It works, right? Um, now we can fall into the trap of doing very, you know, getting a little short-sighted at times, especially when we're not tapped into that NI and we get into that like TE, um, SE space and just sort of like getting things done for the sake of getting them done. And it feels so satisfying to cross something off a to-do list, right? But um, I think it's it's really just in our unhealthy moments that we're behaving that way. But a healthy ENTJ, um, we want to do what works. And I guess the other thing I would say is the beauty of of the the having the SE in there is that we're more willing to um, throw the thing out there in the real world and see what happens to it um, before it's absolutely perfected. I think that's worth mentioning because nothing is ever really going to be perfect. And so we're constantly factoring in the amount of time, energy, and resource that's going into developing the thing um, versus getting it out there in the real world. So yeah, those are some things. Well, I don't even remember what the question was that we started with, but I think we were just describing ANTJs. <laughs> Got a little off track. Yeah, and you did a fabulous job. When you talk about sequencing, uh, it reminds me of your point about networking. It's almost like you being able to network efficiently allows you to sequence people in a, in a good enough way to get things done. So it's almost in a long line of sequences, that person element. And I, I really enjoyed your point about like, is it worth it? It seems like everything is calculated in that, you know, you, you don't need things to be perfect because you just need it to be worth it. Yeah, yeah. Because as long as it's worth it, it's okay if it's good enough. As long as the action is worth the amount of effort put into it. <laughs> yeah, and it has enough long-term benefits in the way that you'd like it, that you just do it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, does it work, right? I think we get into these, uh, I think we see this play out a lot. I mean, just in, in general with folks that have TE versus TI folks, there, I see a lot of arguments play out on social media about you know various details and concerns and it's like cool we can talk about that for days and that's that can be interesting but what's really happening on the ground you know what's what's really what's really happening out there in the real world let's take that into account as well that's true so there's a lot of real world feedback that you like to have that's why you like to put things into the world, even if they're not completely perfect, because the refining process of putting it out there will speed things up quicker than just trying to make it perfect on your own. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I think that's been, that's part of the fun thing too with, uh, with having SE, um, you know, in my work. So there's a lot of different angles to my work, but part of my work is just renovating houses. And I came into it not long ago, really not knowing anything about that. Um, and so I sort of set out to learn uh, kind of the nitty gritty of renovating. Um, so I found people that were working on their own projects. And I said, I'm going to come for the day and just stand next to your drywall crew and see how they do it. And if they let me, I'll get my hands in some joint compound and some tape and like give it a, give it a whirl. Um, and it's been the same thing with things like tile and um, just various little bits and bobs um, like that, where it's like, my SE is just like, let me get my hands on it. Like, let me feel it. Let me know what it's like. So now I'm actually really good at doing drywall. And um, well, I think I'm good at doing drywall. A drywall crew would probably disagree. But you know, now when like as a landlord, I've got an issue where I've got like a patch to do or something. It might not be perfect, but I can go and do it myself and I don't have to pay somebody else to do it. And the other thing is just gaining the perspective on what it's like for people doing that work. Um, what it means to look at a, a, a drywall seam and know like what's a good one versus what's a bad one. I've, I've touched it, I've felt it, so and I've done it, so now I know. Um, and it's taken more time. Like we had a, a house we were working on for like a year and a half. It was just crazy insane the, the amount of time it took us, just a small row house. But in the process, I learned all these cool little skills. And I understand now what it, you know, what it means to, you know, have a great grout line or, you know, um, a properly sanded floor that you're refinishing or whatever else. And those are things that I can take forward. So it, it's part of the learning process for me, but it's also part of, I think it's, it's, it's easier for me to learn it when I can, like I said, when I can get my hands on it. And the danger in that I think is we have a tendency to kind of like throw out the manual and just like jump in. So there is that, uh, there is that risk of us getting a little, um, I don't know what the word is. It's not impatient, but just jumping in, you know, versus maybe taking the time to, you know, it's, it's like when you're building the Ikea shelf and you're like, eh, whatever, we won't look at the instructions. We'll just kind of like jump in and, and start putting it together. And you get like two thirds of the way in and you're like, well, we didn't quite get it right. Like maybe we should have like taken a second, you know, and slowed down. Yeah, I, I can't remember where, exactly where I was going with that, but those are my thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, because of the extroverted sensing SE, there's a little bit of an emphasis on speed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. B, I think, at least for me, I like being in motion. It's the great challenge, I think, for ENTJs to slow down and be a little more present and be a little bit more, um, I don't want to say aware of what's going on around us because I think we're pretty, we're pretty aware of our surroundings. And that's, well, we really overvalue that part of, of our, <laughs> of our uh, experience though, right? We're always like, yeah. I'm amazing at reading people, you know? And yeah, we're probably better than a lot of people, but um, it can be really hard to slow down. It can be really hard to take a, a breath. I frequently find myself, you know, um, I've got these NF friends that are so good at just like, just 
being in the the just like enjoying the day and i'll find myself like okay we've been like relaxing for 10 minutes like did we get enough done today like are we allowed to relax is it okay there's this constant i mean maybe it's not the same for all entjs i think it's it's probably i don't know i speculate that it's probably a little bit more intense maybe for for women or at least for mothers we're expected to be doing all the things all the time um, but there's there's a little bit of a almost a I don't want to call it guilt because that's a strong word, but there's a bit of a, a quality about us that's we're we're ready to do the next thing and it's very satisfying when we can be closing a loop um, or accomplishing a thing and we we will frequently feel at least I will frequently feel that a day was wasted if you know I didn't get enough done or if I stopped too long to think or plan or you know, self-care or whatever the thing was. And so I have a lot of people in my life now who say, it's okay, you know, it's okay to take that time. It's okay to have a lunch break. It's okay to stop. And I think when we're really healthy, we are taking the time to pause and particularly reflect, um, not just to slow down our body, but to slow down the constant, our minds are just constantly planning we're thinking about the next thing we're thinking about the five-year thing we're thinking about next week we're thinking about tomorrow we're always thinking about what's coming up just constantly it's and it's 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 hard to make it stop it's hard to make that chatter stop but when we can really slow down and and reflect we realize the long-term strategy and we remember what what it is we're actually headed toward and what it is we're doing and what the real goal is instead of getting caught up in just like the day-to-day -day tasks that'll get us there. Um, remembering the vision. That's really important. That's probably my, my biggest advice for, for any, for any ENTJ. Not that I'm necessarily qualified, but that's what I tell them. <laughs> that is really good advice. Yeah. Personality Hacker says to grow your co-pilot, so it's your second function. For ENTJs, that would be their introverted intuition, their NI. And so like Kat so beautifully said, it's about remembering that vision, remember, remembering that long-term thing that you're aiming for and kind of repositioning yourself so your actions in line with the bigger picture of what you wanted. Yeah, and when we take that time, um, we, that's actually when we get our great ideas, you know, that's when our aha moments and our great insights come in, when we can actually like calm down the chatter and, and let the NI just kind of like, cause we wanted to like, we're like, let's make it go somewhere. Let's like do it, you know? And it's, NI's like, no, we're not, we're not doing anything. Like NI's not doing anything, you know? It just needs time to like, you know, float around. Um, and I actually find that my, my, my greatest NI insights are often when I can find a, uh, a repetitive or some other kind of activity that will like sort of occupy my, my SE for a while. I mean, they are, you know, on the same polarity. So they're, you know, they're, they exist, they coexist. They always coexist, right? They can't exist without each other. If you've got NI, you've got SE. So if I can go on something that uh, like a long run on like a really smooth track, or a treadmill somewhere I don't have to think about what my body's doing. It can go into autopilot, um, you know, hot shower, long hot shower. I feel a little guilty having a long shower, but those always work. Even simple things like for me, a lot of times driving like a really like well-known 
um, root or washing dishes, things like that. Get yourself into a situation where you can keep your body like engaged in some way so that your S your NI can just kind of wander for a while. And, uh, you know, I'll be on a long run or something and it's like, like little lightning bolts will strike me. It's like, Oh, how come I never thought of that? Like that's the best idea or gosh, like what a great, what a great dream or what a great goal that we could do this like really crazy thing. Um, that we never thought about before. It's so out, it's so outrageous. Why not? Let's try it. That is really lovely advice, Kat, for ENTJs trying to improve their NI. Audience members, listen to Kat in her speech pattern. It's very to the point. Every sentence she says has meat in it. That's the NISE access. So people who have this access tend to speak very to the point. And when they say things, it's like directly trying to convey the direct thing that they're trying to say. Like there's no fluff. It's all meat, every single sentence. And that's like the ENTJ speech pattern. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why say it if it's not, I don't know. I mean, I think it's the same with small talk, right? You know, it's a, it's a little bit of a skill, but uh, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got a, a little bit more of a tolerance for small talk in my in my older age, but uh, give me like a, a little bit, you know, you go to have your hair cut or something. It's like, cool. You can ask me like two questions about my kids and then I'm done. I'm not going to sit here for 30 minutes and talk about like the snow and whatever else. I just can't do it. Um, I'd rather spend the time in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What you're talking about with the other person kind of has to have a direction because the NISE in the middle will want like, okay, we're saying something, but what is the direction of what we're saying? Does it add to anything? Does it accumulate to any like big conceptual picture or like broaden my understanding of something? No, then is it worth it? <laughs> yeah, I think that was exactly what you said just then. Does it add anything? Um, I used to get so frustrated in grad school. There were so many people around me that just wanted to sit for hours and like bat the same ideas around. And I'm, I'm, I'm all for exploring an idea. Um, and I, I, I want to have those conversations that we can kind of adventure around a topic, but I'd really love it if it could ultimately offer us some new insight or some new awareness or maybe even an action point. It's like, ooh, now we've got something we can take out into the world and and do something with. I mean, I had just come out of, when I did grad school, to be fair, I was in my late 20s and I had just come out of a corporate environment. I was working for a bank in New York. So it was a little bit like, cool ideas, guys. What are we gonna do with these? Are we just gonna sit here for 20 years and talk about them? And they're like, yeah, we're just gonna sit here for 20 years and talk about them. And it's like, the end of every research paper you get to is like, this is very interesting. Um, we we need to study this some more. It's like great. That's the only conclusion that we ever come up with. Is we need to we need to investigate this some more. It's like why are we here? Um, yeah, that is so true. When you get inf new information, it's either you're like your ni wants to know it as a like a new way to see it and a perspective, or your te wants a an action item to do off of that new piece of knowledge but to just learn more stuff without an actual like something you can work off of it like there's really no point sometimes for learning it and it can be kind of infuriating to an ENTJ who doesn't want to waste their time with things that don't matter 
And so Kat, what are some misconceptions that people have of ENTJs? Something they get a little wrong. I know you mentioned the robot point, but do you have any others? Uh, one thing I was thinking about a little bit in the recent days was uh, sort of the concept of ambition versus competitiveness. So I think there's like a clear distinction. Um, I feel like a lot of times folks, when they sort of imagine this kind of like caricature of what an ENTJ is like, I mean, I get a little frustrated. I mean, per I think perhaps part of that is because I'm a woman, but you know, every time you look at the ENTJ profile, it's like, you're a um, dictator, like a military genius or a CEO. And those are like, you know, the only things that like, that's just who you are. It's like, well, I mean, I'm not a CEO. I'm not a, um, you know, I'm not a general. Um, I'm actually not interested in military concepts at all. Um, a, lo a lot of ENTJs, I, I guess, are military strategy. Um, but, you know, we have to be in this, you know, top role. And I feel like it's almost, um, I think for, for some ENTJs that could be a little bit um, uncomfortable in the sense that it's like, you know, maybe I don't really want to be, you know, when I think, I mean, a lot of people think of like a CEO of big corporation, it's, we don't know, it's not always like the most positive connotation, right? It's not always the most, it's not always the person with the most rigorous standards. I mean, maybe it is for some people, I guess it's just not the way I think of it always. Um, but I think that there's this sort of, um, the, this sort of superficial take of an ENTJ is that we're these, you know, I think I touched on this before, we're sort of these hyper competitive people who are, it's just a zero sum game and it's just like, get to the top and like whatever it takes. And I'm sure there are ENTJs like that. And maybe that's just like an unhealthy version of one. The ones that we see in the media are always these like evil bosses um, or, you know, evil, evil leaders. Um, I think we're, 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 we are competitive, but I don't think it's a, it's, I'm really not interested in that kind of fist fight. Like, to be honest with you, I'm ambitious, but if, if somebody's like, if somebody's getting in my way with a bunch of baloney, like I just, I just don't have like. There's a lot of energy sometimes that even just goes into clearing that out of your way, and sometimes it's just like, cool guys, like if you want to go and do that, go and do that. Um, I'm gonna hang over here for a second while you like do your thing because it's just you know. Um, I used to when I first started interviewing when I was like a fresh grad. Um, I was interviewing in this very sort of competitive industry where it was like, you had to be like a real ball buster and everybody's like, yeah, you gotta be like, you know, and it's, and so they throw all these, you know, 23 year olds in this conference room and they kind of like wait for you to just kind of like duke it out. And I'm just like, I'm just not going to fight you for, um, you know, the space to even, I'm not the person who's going to sit at the conference table and like, like interject just to get my like words in. It's just like, no, like, I'm just not for it. So I don't know where I was headed with that, but I think I was just making the distinction between uh, competitiveness and ambition. We've got places we want to go. Um, we've got goals and we've got, we've got ambition, but uh, we don't really care about 
what other people are up to as much as everyone thinks we are. We just want to do the thing, you know? <laughs> Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. It's like ENTJs are ambitious because they have these like TE aims. They're ultimately sequencing their way to. It's kind of like, it, it goes back to Kat, what you were saying. I, I, I'm sorry to beat a dead horse, but it's like, is it worth it? <laughs> yeah, if it's not worth it to compete, then why compete? Yeah. And so my next question for you, Kat, is how do your functions show up in your life starting at TE? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like we spent a lot of time talking about TE. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely that part of us that's, that's closing loops, getting stuff done. Um, we're making it happen. Not to toot my own horn, but I think TE is really good at just saying, you want to do that thing, or you want to make that thing happen, or you want to be that way, or you want to, you know, whatever it is, like, you want to, you know, you want to accomplish a thing or you want a certain job or you want to work in a certain industry or you want to eat better or whatever it is. We're the people that are like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and do that thing. Like I'm going to, I'm not going to sit here and go, no, oh, I wish I could do that. Or it'd be so cool if I could have done that. It's like, no, we're just going to like go out and make it happen. And you know, we can't make everything happen. Um, but in general, I think that's the attitude of TE is, like, what is the thing that you want to do? Just just do it. I, I see a lot of these um, courses coming up, especially lately, where they're like, we're going to show you how to, like, organize your work week or whatever. And one of the top tips is always, like, you know, think about the things that you want to accomplish and then just, like, put them in your calendar. And I always tell people, I'm like, you want to do a thing? Just put it in your calendar. Like, you'll do it. If you don't do it, you'll probably snooze it and then like you'll you'll do it later. But like once it's in your calendar, it's like it's a real thing. Like you put it out there in the world. You wrote it down on a planner. You put it in, you know, you put it somewhere. Um, TE's good at that. It's like, eh, let's just, you know, let's find a way to make this happen in the real world. That's what I'd say about TE. Yeah, it's true. A lot of people, they tend to over prepare themselves. But like TE is kind of like, well, if you're going to do it, then you might as well just put the steps in to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of people, they overthink without a lot of doing. Yeah, which doing will get you like 80% of the way there. Yeah. And so Kat, what is your experience with your, um, your auxiliary function, NI? So I've been thinking about NI a lot lately when... I think about my life and, and the challenges that I've faced in various areas. And I always picture my, when, when I, I feel like when I'm in a really NI space, I'm like a helicopter just hovering over my body, maybe not my body, my mind, I don't know, my situation. And I'm just, I'm just curious about what's going on. I'm just looking at it from every angle and, um, I'm shifting all around. It's maybe it's not a helicopter. Maybe it's a um, a drone or something. But it's 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 not it's not passing judgment. It's not making decisions. It's not making calls. It's just it's just it's you know it's a perceiving function at the end of the day. So it's not there to decide the value of anything. It's there to be curious, right? And to and to explore. 
and look at the patterns. So I think about the times that I feel like I've been healthiest. I have felt um, in a way maybe, it, it might be a little extreme to say, but almost a little removed um, from the problem or from the situation. Do you feel that way with your NI, Joyce? Like, is it the same sort of sensation or is that is that like a specific thinker kind of framing around it? You know what I mean? Like it's it feels very, um, yeah. Like I can just I can just remove myself from the situation and just just hover over it and look at it curiously. Good question. So I would say that's NI in general. NI it kind of gets an overview of things, and so it feels like it's looking at things from a cliff's edge, and then it's looking down at like this overview of everything below it. And so it can feel very, I don't know if detached is the right way to put it, but it can feel like removed in the way that it's viewing it because it's seeing it in such a zoomed out view that it feels kind of, you're right. <laughs> detached, detached is a better word than removed. I like that. Removed sounds really cold. Well, I guess detached kind of does too, but um, yeah. That's my experience of NI, but it also, you know, I think just going back to what we talked about before, it helps keep me back in touch with, in many ways, not necessarily my values, like my personal values, but my values around what we're working on and where we're headed. Um, and it helps me step back and in some ways reevaluate and look at some angles that we might have missed while we were busy doing the thing and going doing um and putting it back all into perspective and i think the other thing that i think is really important to mention you know we talked earlier about considering others when you're going about whatever it is you're doing and that's one of it and i the, the greatest things about jumping into that ni is putting yourself into the shoes of others around you. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to succumb to their whims or you're going to do the thing that they necessarily want or, but you're, you're, you're realizing what it's like for the other person or the other people and you're appreciating where they're coming from. And that has been absolutely enormous for me in particularly my relationships and my work, I would say, over the last few years or so is um, tapping into that NI and realizing like, you know, we all have kind of different ways of approaching things. My way isn't always the best way. In fact, a lot of times it's not. Um, and ultimately, depending on what you're considering, I mean, ultimately there's not really a, there's not necessarily a best way to do anything, right? We just have different ways of doing things. And and I's really good at stopping and going, hey, you know, like, um, they're just coming at that from a different angle, and it's given me a lot of space in my life to just be really um, gentle with the people around me, and to um, just give them the space to be who they are, if that makes sense. And I think that's a really, really wonderful thing when you can have people in your life and just let them be who they are. None of us are perfect. I mean. I make a lot of mistakes too, so. That's really well said, Kat. I wonder if 
Um, a way to tell if you're a looping ENTJ, so someone who's going from TE to SE, is if you're judging people really quickly. Um, because NI is good at finding all the perspectives of another person and how they're experiencing it. So it's a sign that if you're judging people quickly to get into that NI and to really zone out and to kind of see how their way might be valid too of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the NI is why ENTJs tend to not be micromanagers because their NI is like, well, there's no best way of doing this. Like their perspective might just be as valid as mine. So it makes them more uh, chill when, when managing other people, they might be controlling, but they're not micromanaging. <laughs> yeah. And so Kat, I'm wondering about your experience with your function, SE, your third one. Yeah, I, I, you know, some of the things that we've already touched on with the SE, you know, we talked about reading people, and you just mentioned that as well. Um, I, I really enjoy trying to read people. When I was a kid, I used to go to the library back in the day and like go to the, you know, the whatever woo woo section and get like the body language books. And I'd like figure out like, what are like different ways that I can like use body language to um, I'm, I've been looking for a word that's better than manipulate because that has a lot of negative connotations. <laughs> so I would say influence, how can we influence others? And I would say that's probably one of my top goals in my life. And just any given day is how can I influence the people around me? Not necessarily to do the thing that I want, although that's often the case. Um, but reading people, we love to read people. Um, and I think, like I said before, we there, there's a tendency to overvalue that, and we can get into a little bit of trouble there. Um, you know, I'll get into situations where I, I, th I think, like some of the recent situations have been like with tenants. So you, when you're vetting a tenant, and there's all this stuff, and there'll be like this thing about them that's like, oh, I'm not sure if it's adding up. You'll, you know, you'll have this like little red flag or, or, you know, this little, like your little, your spidey sense or whatever. Um, and sometimes we're like, Oh yeah, I've got like really good spidey sense about this guy. And it like turns out to be wrong or, you know, we think, or, or on the flip side, we'll think like, Oh, this person is like amazing. And then, you know, you think you've got them all figured out. You just met them like once for 10 minutes. And then later you're like, ah, they're, they're kind of not, they're kind of not as amazing as I thought, or they're not the what I expected, I guess I should put it that way. We're all amazing in our own way. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's one of our um, one of our pitfalls is is feeling leaning into that a little too hard. Um, we it's it's kind of a pro and a con in this um, with SE in the sense that we're we're quite good at being flexible and pivoting when we need to in the moment we have a little bit of a um we're, we're we're a little bit better i think than maybe other te doms like kind of thinking on our feet and kind of like responding in the moment which is really fun but it can also be um if we're being a little too quick with it it can be a little short-sighted at times it can be a little bit impulsive the other thing i would say about se is that we have Particularly, I mean, I think I'm a I'm a three enneagram three. I think a lot of ENTJs probably are, and it's pretty easy, I think, for us to fall into the trap of um, kind of like an image management. Uh, that's 
I think on, on some level that's sort of important to us. We, we appreciate the fact that the way that we present ourselves has an impact on how we can influence others. And I was actually talking with, I don't know who it was. Well, um, I know who it was. It was a female INTJ about women ENTJs coming across as intimidating. And I realized in our conversation, I told her, I said, actually, we like being seen as intimidating sometimes because <laughs> it can help us it can help us achieve something or it can help us to create a certain persona or a certain image that will get us closer to where we want to be or will will help us accomplish a thing. I think that's maybe where it's healthy is when we're realizing we're sort of doing it, but it can get a little crazy when, when we um, can fall into that trap of, of getting a little too concerned about how other people see us or, or how we're, presenting and getting a little bit too caught up in in that if that makes sense yeah that essay kind of makes you guys like ball ball busters like you say <laughs> yeah yeah that the conquer i don't know that's a very empowering mentality like it's just like yeah yeah goal post goal post or like keep going keep going yeah yeah wow wow we should all learn something from entjs <laughs> and so Kat, what is your experience with your inferior function, FI? You know, FI can't exist without TE. Uh, they, they exist, they always exist together. And so they're just, they're just woven together and they're linked. And I think the misconception about ENTJs is, you know, we don't care about feelings. We're completely out of touch with feelings. We're cold, we're heartless, we're, you know, we're robots. Um, the reality is that we, we, when we're healthy, we're thinking a lot about what we're doing, how it aligns with our personal values and who we are. That's really, really important for me. Um, you know, when we're renovating a house in Philly, for example, this is probably not the best example, but the typical developer right now in Philly goes, goes into a house. These are old houses. They were built in like the early 1900s, sometimes even later than, earlier than that. And what's cheapest and easiest and fastest is to go in and rip everything out and just start over and throw in your stupid, you know, MDF baseboards and your, you know, cheap Home Depot tile and whatever else. And we go into these old houses in these like old communities where people have lived for generations. And we say, hey, you know, there are like amazing, really old six panel solid wood doors in here. And they're they need a lot of work and they take a lot of time and it's extra money, but we're preserving a piece of Philadelphia history and we're preserving a piece of the community. And so that's just like a, a little example of when I think an ENTJ is, is, is healthiest, they're, they're considering the impacts of the things they're doing. And a lot of that is about tapping into our FI. Um, we, we want to take the emotion out of making a decision um, because we want to be objective and we want to be logical, but that doesn't mean that we don't have emotions <laughs> and that we aren't feeling and we aren't caring. Um, we actually, I think it's, you know, a lot of people look at ENTJs and they, they, they appreciate us because we're very loyal. So, you know, I have people that I've worked with that it's like, okay, like, we have a good working relationship. I will just call you every single time for this thing. Like you will always be the person I call. And I hope that you'll, you know, pay that back to me in some way. Um, 
And a lot of times, you know, it does pay dividends. You'll get little discounts and things like that. But we can almost be loyal to like a fault. Um, we, you know, this kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about just kind of wanting to let somebody do their thing and step away from it. And we are, we know we're going to hold up our end and we just expect that you're going to hold up yours. And we can almost be a little bit, like I said, loyal to a fault because we're just sort of like expecting the other person to, um, to hold up their end. And we really want that for them. And when we say we're going to do something, we really mean it. Even if it's like the simplest thing, even if we're like, I really don't have time for that. I mean, sometimes we'll say no, um, or we'll, you know, we'll reschedule or we'll, we'll do whatever. But in general, when we say a thing, we mean it, we thought about it and we meant it. And we, we, we're going to, we're going to do that thing, or we're going to, we're going to, whatever we said is the way it's going to be until the end of time, unless we have a, you know, conversation about it changing. Um, whereas, you know, a lot of the NFs that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis is like, it was how they felt that day. And it wasn't any less legitimate. They felt that way that day and they really felt it, but they didn't feel that way the next day, but we're very unchanging in that sense. And we sort of expect that other people are that way. And when they're not, we get so hurt sometimes. We're just like, oh, but you told me that thing yesterday. And I thought you meant it forever. And they're like, no, nah, I didn't really mean it forever. It's just, you know, I don't know, today's Wednesday. Yesterday was Tuesday. And it's just like, that can be a little hard because we're always really invested. And whatever we're doing, if we think it's worth doing, we're going to put 110% into it. We're not going to do it casually. So feelings are, we're deeply feeling, it's, it's, it's intense. And because it's a very immature part of us, we don't always know how to handle emotions. And sometimes they can actually really overwhelm us. Like you'll be with an ENTJ and they're like super cool and chill. And then like, you'll put on like a movie that's super cheesy and they're like bawling at the end. And you're like, where did that come from? And like, sometimes you just hit a nerve with them, um, you know, and it can get a little bit intense. Um, I think it's the same way in love. You know, we we are deeply committed. We are deeply invested. And the I think the ENTJ attitude toward toward relationships is like romantic relationships, at least. It's like, I chose you. I choose you every day because I'm still here. Like, end of story. Like, <laughs> and that can get us into a little bit of trouble. Um, I'm learning in my older age that, you know, it's still okay to like let people know that you love them. <laughs> you can say it out loud. Um, but that's, that's, um, that's a trap we can, well, it's not a trap, but that's, how, that's our approach to, to the people that we love a lot of times. Um, I think, you know, we're the, the kind of, stereotype of ENTJs is that we're we're good at ignoring our emotions, which I think can be true. I think it's it's kind of a, a card that we can play. It's sort of a strength and a weakness. We can ignore our emotions for a while um, if we want to and just plow ahead with the thing and, and keep going. It does come back to bite us in the end usually, um, but it can be really great for getting stuff done. I mean, if you can ignore your emotions and just like plow ahead, you can accomplish some cool things, um, but we have to remember to, to stop every now and then and check in with ourselves and take care of ourselves. Um, yeah, I think, you know, ultimately at the end of the day for me, any anything that I'm getting involved in, it has to be right for me. 
at my core, you know, um, it can make all the logical sense. But if that little piece, that little component is missing, then I'm still not going to go for it. I'm still not going to get involved. That's beautifully said. The FI has to be okay with it. It has to have some sort of value to the FI ultimately for you to want to TE it in the first place. <laughs> I would hope so. I mean, I think for a healthy ENTJ anyway, that's, that's, I would hope for all of us. I don't know, but we've got a lot of feelings in there. We kind of sometimes don't want you to know it, but, but we really do. We really do. We really do feel deeply. So my advice to folks who are in relationships with ENTJs is to, although we might not always be vulnerable enough to share it with you, we love it when you ask us how we're doing and you sit down and you take the time to, to really get to know what's going on for us. It means a lot, so. That's so sweet. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, wow. There's a hidden emotional core to the ENTJs, even though they don't want you to know. I feel like that's applicable maybe to to thinkers in general, but especially if they have FI, there's that FI underneath. Don't worry, it's there. <laughs> and so Kat, any closing thoughts, any last pieces of advice you'd like to give to ENTJs out there? I was just thinking about um, that thing I just mentioned a minute ago about the user manual for how to deal with your, your ENTJ um, in your life. And I think one thing to keep in mind is that, I don't know, this may seem really obvious, but the way that we show people that we care for them is we do things for them. Like we make things happen for them and we um, support them by trying to solve their problems. And that can, that's wonderful. But that can also be um, less successful in a lot of situations. And that's something that I have had to learn maybe the hard way as I've gotten older is not everybody really is coming to you wanting a solution to their problem. Sometimes they just want to be heard. Um, sometimes they just want to be acknowledged. Sometimes they just, I don't know, they just want someone to hear the words come out of their mouth. They just, they just want you to like validate they're what you know what they're feeling or what they're thinking my recommendations i guess to other entjs would be to keep that in mind especially when you're dealing with the feelers in your life um not just the feelers but other 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 anybody really i think that's just a general lesson for every every entj is take a breath sometimes you need to just stop for a second and hear the person and i'll even say to people in my life i'm like is this a solution time or is this a listening time? And they'll be like, this is just a listening time. Like you can cool it with your, you know, with your solutioning. Um, so, you know, I think we, we see people's, um, I don't want to say problems, but we, you know, we see, we look at people's situations and we, it, it can be very obvious sometimes to us what they need to do to get out of that problem or that situation. And we think we're being so helpful by offering the solution, but, a lot of times they don't want the solution. So that would be that would be something I would like to add. Another thing I thought might be worth touching on is, is sort of the experience of the uh, the NT, the ENTJ woman, because I think that it's worth mentioning that I think ENTJ women have a little bit of a different experience in the world. It's not a 
an attitude that the world is expecting in a woman. And I think when I was younger, you know, I found it a little more challenging. You know, we can be viewed as, you know, real ballsy or bitchy or, you know, um, overbearing or I don't know whatever the other words there are. Um, but that I think that can be hard for a lot of NT women in general, but particularly for ENTJs, we just don't show up in a way that people expect us to. Um, it's probably harder for, for other NT types than, than maybe in some ways than ENTJs because we're leading with TE, which is so well rewarded in the world, you know? Everybody loves TE, everyone loves to see things getting done. But, you know, I think what I've noticed is that a lot of, and I don't know a lot of ENTJ women, who does, but I think there might be a tendency sometimes for them to kind of be like, well, that's who I am, and they sort of double down um, on the, I don't know, the um, that energy, that sort of forceful energy that they, I don't know, forceful is not the word, but that, you know, that energy that they're bringing into the world, they sort of double down on it, and, and it's sort of like, well, this is who I am, take it or leave it. And I think that that is um, maybe a disservice to them in a lot of ways. I think we're actually ENTJ women, we have like a real, because we're women, we have a, a real advantage in that we're able to sort of tap in more um, easily into, I don't know, like the way it's played out for me is, you know, because we're expected to have, for example, better people skills than men are, or we're expected to be more self-aware, or we're expected to be more, um, you know, polite, or, you know, to, to kind of know how to handle certain social situations and things like that. Like, there's certain expectations of us that are not there for men. It sort of challenges us, I think, from like a young age to to kind of rise to that. And and for me, I think that's been really positive for me in developing my FI and, and in some ways my NI as well. Um, so I guess that would be my encouragement to to other ENTJ and particularly just any NT woman is to um, think about the ways that it's serving you to have to um, face those challenges and the ways that that can kind of grow you as a person. I feel like there's a lot to say about being a woman, but I don't want to harp on it too long. But I think it it is it is its own challenge. In my older age, I have just embraced who I am, and. I have realized that, you know, working with people is a wonderful thing. I mean, not that I didn't realize it before, but I've realized how to do that better and how to be a little bit more aware of the people around me. And it's brought a lot of benefit to my life. So that's something I would, I would, I would say. That is fantastic, Kat. Thank you for saying all of that. It is a very unique experience to be an ENTJ female because you have that TE, but it's normally only like socially acceptable in men. So sometimes it can get weird feedback from other people that aren't used to women being like that. But it's like such a skill and a superpower. It's such a magnificent strength to have that. And I, I love that about you. And that is really good advice about this solutions orientedness. TE has this natural tendency to be very solutions oriented, looking for the next available action item to take. And so 
that was a really good piece of advice where it's like sometimes there doesn't need to be a solution. There just needs to be emotional encouragement and listening. <laughs> Very well put, Kat. And so thank you so much, Kat, for coming out and sharing your ENTJ perspective. I love the speed at which you tackle things and your ability to really be efficient, effective, and to be able to sequence things with such fluidness. You're a very masterful sweet sequencer, and that leads to a lot of great outcomes. You, you really hit the targets that you set. And thank you, Kat, for your ability to articulate your thought process so well. And I love learning about how you know, you'll get this NI long range sustainable plan and that your TE will try to figure out a way to really order your environment to really get those plans met. And that, you know, I love learning about your big picture oriented thinking and your strong tether to your values that other people may not see. It gives a very nuanced and really in-depth look into the ENTJ personality. And I love how you cleared up the misconceptions that people often carry. And I love the win-win mentality you have because you always search for that really like that win-win because your FI wants that. Your FI wants the outcome that is moral in nature or, or a valuable kind of outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that consideration you have that other people may not always notice. And I just like your go-getter nature. You just keep going. You have a very can-do attitude. It's very empowering. Yeah. I always feel kind of empowered by your TE tips like you'll have that TE tip of, you know, if you want something that you want to do, write it in your calendar. It'll, that's the, one of the biggest steps you can do to getting it done. Yeah. So, you know, just the right steps to set people on the right trajectory. And that is such a magnificent skill. So thank you for that, Kat. Thank you for, for your amazing TE strategies for, you know, tackling life in the most effective way possible. And I appreciate all your stories about the, the housing that you talked about and how you particularly went about approaching that. It gives my NI a perspective to really mull over. So thank you for that. Yeah, so thank you for coming on, Kat. Thank you for having me. This was really a lot of fun. So much to talk about. It's fun. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Bye, everyone. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.